This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We welcome you to the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. As usual, we are not live, but please hop in the the chat. We'll check through those comments. If you're listening to us on your podcast feeds, hello as well. We appreciate all you tuning in to a baseball team that is still waiting to maybe bring back their best hitter, maybe not, maybe someone else. I don't know, Brendan, but what I do know is that we are coming to you Friday, February 9th. We are about under a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting. And if you were following some of the folks uh, out of Mesa, a lot of them are already there, Brendan. So uh, to me, it's starting up, but the team is maybe not complete. Listen, to me, it started. Dansby supposedly is already in Mesa. According to him, came yesterday. Nico's throwing footballs out there. Justin Steele, Adbrazali already has been there for like a week and a half. The guys are there. We're just waiting for Cody Bellinger to stroll on in with yeah. some Jordans on and give our first baseman a hug on his like six-year, one hundred and seventy-something million. Too expensive. Right? Too expensive. No, I don't know about that. Too expensive for Jeff. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're going to touch too much on that. I think we've all heard plenty about Cody Bellinger. You know where Brendan and I stand. And even I'm going to make a commitment to you. I'm sick of talking about that. I'm done talking about Scott Boris and Cody Bellinger. It's over. We've been doing this for four months. I'm done. Yeah, and I think, you know, between I was in the studio the other day with Luke, Cody, and Ryan, like, I think we've covered pretty much every angle. And even the even the new it, the new what they're talking about now with that. Yeah. Like we've covered that, you know, they're talking about the kind of waiting game and, you know, if he gets over 200 million, this and that. And we've, since the beginning, we've said, if it gets to a certain point, it's not going to be the Cubs. And I think we're, it's the same thing. So I don't want to cover that too much. What I do want to get into, uh, have some, some random stuff, some fun stuff, but I think the meat of it, pitchers and catchers are reporting. Uh, obviously those are the guys that go first. Like let's talk about stuff we're watching for. What are we excited for? What are we looking for in spring training things to keep an eye on? You know, when we get to the positional players, you know, we'll get to position battles and who's playing where and how they're sharing reps and all that other stuff. But I think pitchers and catchers show up first. We'll talk some pitchers and catchers. And I think that's Brendan, honestly, like what we have to do. I think everybody that covers this team, podcast, writes about it, talks about it on the radio, wherever it may be, you have to cover the free agency. You have to cover Bellinger, et cetera, et cetera. But also right now, the team that is actually the Chicago Cubs is going to show up to camp. And some of these guys are not on that team. And it reaches a point where we have to focus on who's actually playing for this baseball team right now. And when that changes, we'll get back into it. Are you going to talk about Pat Hughes' sweater? I've been waiting for you to bring that up. Do you want to get into it? Yeah, we're going to start with that. But I like to, you know, set the expectations. I know we have a lot of pitching to talk about. I have, I have different, I have different pitch types I want to talk about. But oh, grand! Yeah, we have a lot. No charts, no charts, no charts, no charts. No Now, see, I don't think you should say that because now the viewership numbers. I have. I actually have all my graphs (laughs) loaded over the past year right here, so I do have that. Uh, we're going to do a graph retrospective. So if you've that been missing be sitting in a like, you know, statistics 101 course in college, we can take it right now. I'm kidding. That's Please when I started making graphs. <laughs> That's when I started making graphs. I have some from 2016. I sent you some uh, yeah. a year ago, I think. Uh, but I do, I do want to start. The Cubs on their social channels on Thursday released uh, their promo schedule for the year. It was a great video. Uh, one of the Cubs... Cubs productions, the Cubs social team, a lot of the Cubs content is excellent. The people yeah. that produce it, shoot it, write it, work on it. We are we have been very fortunate, I think, as a team. If you consume social content, the Cubs have been very good at it uh, for quite some time. And they released the schedule, and it was getting the people who were the focus of the promo items, you know, to sort of drum it up in a photo shoot. And one of them. Uh, is a Pat Hughes sweater. And I think it's a shirt, but it looks like Pat Hughes' iconic sweater. Pat Hughes is in the video. Incredible acting. I, I Not that I didn't just, he can do anything. I always assume. 
but I didn't know he had such acting chops. And that was well, a very pleasant surprise. Well, the Oscars are next year. I don't think he could be nominated for this upcoming one, but the following year, yeah, you have the Hall of Fame. What's next? Yeah. Academy Award, I think. I am into it. And I think it would be, I think they do it like the following year. So it would basically be Pat Hughes yeah. versus Jeremy Allen White for season two of The Bear. There you go. Man. And the Emmy goes to. Chicago representing. So I believe that's on April 6th uh, when the Cubs take on the Dodgers. And my only question, Brendan, is like, do you think I can get somebody to sponsor like the tent that I'm going to have to sleep in outside of Wrigley Field? Because you haven't, you know, you're you're not at Wrigley Field as frequently. And I don't take you for a like, I need to get a bobblehead kind of guy unless it's like Nico with his shirt off or something. Okay. But, but <laughs> I think I, there's always a line. There's a big line for some of these things. And you got to get there pretty early if you want the merch. I, I, I'm not, I'm not really that kind of guy, but for a Pat Hughes sweater t-shirt, I think I have to be. Now, what will really make that day is if Pat Hughes himself is handing them out, wow. entering the gate. Can you imagine that? You may pass no. out. Yeah. No, Could I you ever imagine in your life a scenario where Pat Hughes is handing you a sweater in beautiful historic Wrigley, Wrigley Fields? No, but what a picture yeah. you're painting. Man, you know? A Pat Hughes-esque painting, if I if it's, you will. It's very bright blue skies, right. a brisk yeah. April afternoon. Man. And handing the sweaters to him is, of course, former Coven All-Star Ron Coomer. There you go. That's right my vision. But yeah, it was it was a great video. And, you know, always they were, you know, kind of they were poking fun at Ian Happ for not smiling. Patrick Wisdom was doing his collarbone thing uh, from when he's hitting home runs. It was a great video. And I very much look forward to being able to rock some Pat Hughes merch. So Man. looking forward to that. Beyond that, uh, again, we are still waiting for the Chicago Cubs to figure some stuff out. And that's about the update. This is dragging on and it may continue to drag on. So if the rumor mill is your kind of thing, I think we're going to stay away from it for the most part. Uh, but Hey, like we're, we're all paying attention. And as I've said before, the CHGO Cubs team will assemble in minutes to break down any of those major signings, uh, if they are with the Cubs. And I think, no matter what Cody Bellinger does, the CHGO Cubs team will end up having a show uh, on that decision whenever that comes, whether that is in the month of February, March, next April. season. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it, it's like, you know, he pulls a Kimbrel, doesn't sign until what was that June. <laughs> don't even threaten that <laughs> yeah. scenario. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That, I, that one might work out for Jed, though. Like, then he only signs him if they really need him. I guess. Yeah. You know, they're a contender by the trade deadline. They overshot their expectations yeah. and their Pakoda projections. Now we'll pay the, for Cody Bellinger. By the way, I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, the new projections. Well, we ta I talked about that in the studio week. on Wednesday, I think with Cody, Luke and Ryan. And I, I, we talked about your tweet, your, your graph. Luke did a very good job. Oh, really? of I got to go back and listen to the that. graph. No, he does. They, nobody understands it. My, myself included. No, I do. I, and you know, like my basic, who cares? Like it's a computer projection, like not, not on your, your tweet. I, I mean, the, the projections in and of themselves, I, I didn't think they were particularly surprising. I think that that's about, I actually thought they were higher than we both imagined. I thought hmm. maybe like 78, 79, given yeah. the current state of the roster. I think so. You know, the only thing that I found particularly interesting, they're like particularly down on Imanaga I think I saw on on Dude, that stuff. Honestly, you can you, you have a better no. chance of projecting than than yes, those computers. Uh, of and, course, and I just it, it's just if I'm looking at stuff to find interesting at all. And I think yeah. I, I was seeing on Twitter some discussion on Thursday, like that they have him projected for like one of the highest home run rates. I, I think it would be in like league history, like just an exceptional home run rate that they're predicting. Exactly. So that's you know that's my thought on it. I think. As far as the NL Central being projected to be very tight and a lot of low to mid 80s team, I think that lines up with what we might expect going into the season and highlights a lot of what we've talked about of wanting them to address on the roster. So, you know, we'll see how the rest of the offseason plays out and if those projections change and 
if you care about that or not. Well, it's that's the stage too, because a lot of the projections against the Cubs is derived from their lack of pitching confidence, including Shota, even Justin Steele may not have those stellar projections that you might like. Guys getting older like Kyle Hendricks, and then the lower end with Javier Assad, Wisniewski, etc. So the the projections in part, justifiably so, don't account for some of the natural progression you and I think those pitchers will take. Yeah, and I think you know we'll talk about some of that uh, in a little bit. I wanted to start, Brendan. I know how much you love trivia, oh, and I have one for you. Gosh, and I wanted to start, and then maybe you know we'll we'll use that. We'll get to our first ad break and then we'll jump into some what to watch for us as pitchers and catchers report. Uh, but I was looking at this one coming to us from at Brooksgate on okay. Twitter X, if you want to call it that. Okay. The la- since 2010 for each team, which player has the longest hitting streak for each team? So which person since 2010 has the longest hitting streak in a season for the Chicago Cubs. The Kyle Farnsworth one was very difficult. I didn't expect you to get that. I feel like you can get this one. I mean, it's such a long time range. 2010, since 2010, so even including like the last couple of years? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, off the top of my head, oh, longest hit streak. Uh, can you I, give me like some type of hints? I well, so the the easy hint would be I no, think no, this, I don't want the easy hint. Give me like a medium. No, uh, I'm saying the the okay. hint that doesn't give it away, but I okay. think that helps is it's a it's a it's definitely a player you would expect this answer to be. If I told you, and it it's you know it's not an incredible amount of games. The Cubs actually have one of the lowest streak numbers on this list. It was only 16 games, but if you were looking back at the last. 15 years of Cubs baseball, and I told you one person got a hit in 16 straight games, you'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. Starling Castro? No. God. I want to say David DeJesus just to be like, you know, hipster about it. No. Is that it? Does that fit the clue I just gave you? No. I don't know. He was a contact guy. Uh, high okay. con. Nigo? Has Nigo had 16? I'm horrible at this. I hate this. Hold Do on, you want give me, the give, give it away clue? No. Okay. Um, no, because the clue, sometimes I may not even know if that clue is uh, helpful or not. So I it, embarrass myself. It would be helpful. If I give it away, it's helpful. Is it Russo? No. Chris Bryant? No. Just tell me the player. I hate doing this. Just uh, tell me the he player. Is, he has a very significant hit in uh, the World Series. Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist. Okay. Was it 2016 16. he had that? Yeah. Which... Impor- important year, right? So not only did he have the longest hit streak in the last, you know, 14 years of Cubs baseball, but later that season, yeah, he would be he, the MVP of the World Series for the Chicago Cubs because they, they won the World won Series. World Series, correct. Yes. People yes. do forget that. Yeah. I feel like that was a good clue. He is the person, if I said, Oh yeah, who got the yeah, hit every game better. I feel like Starling Castro was a good a good guess though. Yeah, I think so. You know? Yeah. High contact guy had that stretch early on. I thought he was a good guess. So, yeah. I kind of like these. The, the trivia stuff isn't our normal shtick, but it's I'm in lieu of it. spending 40 minutes on Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman again. Or getting never... Brendan riled up about Nick Madrigal. You know what I mean? Wow. Wow. I was, You're the one Don't even bring me down that direction. Yeah. You're getting me riled up. But I, I was going to say, I remember the weirdest things, but when it comes to the stuff like trivia questions i can't remember anything yeah but like i remember weird things it's just those types of questions i never get ever i also did want to highlight we had a few people that reached out via twitter or some via point out that they also share a disdain for one austin kearns uh from their youth yes so that was kind of funny uh that some other folks were like that was exactly who i was thinking God, so, I hate that guy. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of us have been scarred by Austin Kearns and that era. Sean Casey, those scars Austin never heal. Yes, Adam Dunn, yeah. Eric Larkin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Boom. Uh, all right, so we'll 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 get to our first ad break in a second here, but I I do want to sort of set the table for talking about guys arriving 
uh, in Mesa for pitchers and catchers and, and getting ready here. And the, I wanted to read a tweet from one Justin Steele that came on Thursday afternoon and it reads, I watched Shota Imanaga throw a bullpen today. I'm on eBay now looking for cards. Guy is filthy. So I believe Justin Steele is a, a baseball card guy. And so. look, they're on the same team, but you know, he's putting his money where his mouth is. He's investing in Imanaga memorabilia. So he liked what there he you saw. Go. He may teach Steele a few things, you know. Could you imagine? Justin Steele with the splitter, Corey. That would be insane. No. Had that cut, rising fastball, <laughs> yeah. that slider, maybe throwing a little bit of a slower breaker, like a curve, a splitter by 2025. Steele may be the best left-handed pitcher of all time if he develops that pitch. Well, hey, that's possible. The a little bit. It's possible. According to Stuff Plus, it's possible. Yeah. I did read, there was a piece too, uh, they were talking to John Lester, I think it was at a golf thing, but, you know, talking okay. about how he he was a little disappointed, you know, when he <laughs> found out they were firing his friend. Uh, he did admit that he, he felt a little, not quite yeah. as connected to the Chicago Cubs in that moment, yeah. but that he talks to some people and understood. So it was a very diplomatic answer. There's one thing about John Lester, he always knows the right thing to say in a situation. I mean, like in his mind, like, you know what? Ross is my guy. He's my friend. But yeah, he could be kind of a dumbass at times. Yeah. So like, it does make a little sense. He's like, why do understand. you guys think I was yelling at him so much? <laughs> yeah. So if anyone understands, it's probably John Lester. If, the, if, I, if I was the manager of the Chicago Cubs and they yeah. fired me, you, you'd still support them or? No, I would absolutely pick it in front of the, in front of Wrigley field until you were hired back. Yeah. If they fired you, I'm done. I'm gone. I'll go start a, uh, Padres podcast. Okay. So you can follow you Darvish around, man, man. Yeah. I miss you Darvish. I know. All right. Let's do this ad break here before we start talking about you Darvish for the next 20 minutes. And then we'll Sounds get back good. into some pitching trends. First ad break here from Circa Sportsbook. Games will strive to be a minus 110 split on the Circus Sports menu, unlike other sports books, which may use minus 115 or minus 120 splits. Circus Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to other books who limit bettors. Circa will never limit bettors based on their winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit those winning players. So we encourage bettors to download and explore all betting apps available. There are also real people behind the Circus Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion, unlike other books who use chatbots. All aspects of the app are being run by the same folks who run the main Circus Sports book at Circus, uh, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. I saw a lot of our CHEO Bears crew is out there in Vegas. Great resort. I spent some time there over the past few years. Pretty fun. So download the Circus Sports Illinois app at circusports.com slash Illinois app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. And if you or somebody you know may have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, or text GAMB to 833234, or visit com. Second break here from our wonderful sponsor, Empire Today. With Empire Today, you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low price guarantee. They keep shopping for floors simple with a curated product selection. Empire's philosophy is to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is as important as what they put in. Empire's product team combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. They also service their own warranties. If an issue does arise, you can just call Empire. They service all of their warranties themselves. You will never have to track down a manufacturer's phone number. And if you're interested in new flooring, well, they have a virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how new floors will look in your space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how those floors will look in your room. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use the promo code CHGO. Restrictions do apply. Again, see Empire today 
com slash CHGO for details. All right, y'all. As always, reminder, check out allchgo.com. Check out the benefits of becoming a diehard. Get a free shirt when you sign up. Access to the Discord. I know Cody's been doing some uh, Discord-only audio chats. I think you can do video, too, in the Discord as well. Um, get your membership card. You get discount on events. I know we just had a takeover at the United Center for the Chicago Bulls game with our great Bulls crew. So do visit allchgo and check that out, allchgo.com and check that out and shout out, you know, if, if you are a bears fan, shout out to our bears team. That's been in Las Vegas covering the super bowl. And I got to give a shout out to our, our, our guy, Greg Braggs, because I, I admire like they, they, they're interviewing everybody. And of course, you know, they're there to talk about the bears and the super bowl and the number one pick. And I'm not really a football guy, but I admire like Braggs at Patrick Mahomes press conference, asking him about Justin Fields and Caleb Williams. He went to Las Vegas to get answers yeah. for bears fans. Yeah. And, and he went and did it. And I love it. I, 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 love it. I, I love it. He went there to get the answers and he got them. So I got to say still too, there. Bragg's looking pretty fashionable. I saw those yeah. Vegas get ups late at night. Black Absolutely. shirts. Good for him yeah. living his best life, but check it out. The whole, the bears team is there. They're covering it every day. They've done some great interviews. Uh, so do check out CHGO bears crew, uh, for all things bears and NFL and super bowl. So back to the Chicago Cubs. Ugh. <laughs> um, let's talk spring training storylines as it relates to pitchers and catchers, Brendan, because yeah. I think actually, we spring training isn't always the be all end all. Of course, we know this. They're not always looking at each individual result from an exhibition game against the B team of the Los Angeles Dodgers to make every decision. And if a guy gives up runs or has a bad outing, we always talk that guys are working on stuff. They're getting in shape. They're building up their, their arm strength. And it, it, you don't want to read into stuff too much, but I think this Cubs team does have some areas that spring training is going to be quite informative about as we go into this season. We, there's a lot of pitchers. We don't know what their exact role is going to look like when this team breaks camp, at least. And I know the guys kind of talked about that a little bit with Tommy Hadovy in terms of having so many guys who could maybe be starters, maybe they're long relievers. Do they get converted into shorter relievers like Alzali has done? What's the hierarchy of the bullpen as we go through spring training and break camp? So, you know, I think a, a good chunk of the pitching staff is kind of set, but where they fit in in terms of their roles and how they're utilized by now Craig Council, something we still have a decent number of questions about, Brendan. So like, when you first look at this group, what are some of the first things that jump to mind? Like I'm going to read the reports from Mesa every day. Cause I'm trying to figure out what they're doing with this guy or what kind of role this person's going to have. I'm personally more interested in the back end of the rotation. So you already know top three, it's going to be Steele, Tyon Hendricks, and then Shona. Those are your top four actually. Now what they do in the five spot is going to be interesting. For example, Wisniewski, could he get the shot or will they transition him to more of a primary fireman reliever role? Is it going to be Jordan Wicks from day one? Is it going to be Javier Assad from day one? So those three are going to get most of my interest. Now, separate from those three, just to lay the groundwork here before we get into it, I am curious of what Tyon looks like. He's been working hard throughout the offseason. He texts Tommy Adebi all the time about pitch design and, and catching up on their offseason routines in addition to fantasy sports. But personally, is he, is he going to exude confidence in his fastball? Is he going to exude confidence in a different pitch type? Because if Tyon can regain that fastball value that he had, and not through stuff, but just by command as well, and get confidence to where he was with that pitch with the Yankees and Pirates – then his projection to me is the one most likely to break because if the sweeper and the breaking pitches just sustain themselves, then the amount of whiffs he gets plus regaining that fastball value 
should put him among some of the top pitchers in the league. So that is very important to me just to regain that position for tying on the top of the rotation. And then if you want to get super ambitious outside of the bullpen, just narrowing in on this rotation, Tommy Hadovy did mention pitch design stuff with Justin Steele. That's interesting. With Steele, you already know what he has. Cut, ride, fastball. He has another type of fastball in which he can go down and in to batters. Then he also has a, a true slider. So he kind of already has three different types of cutting horizontal pitches. Is there room for something else? A changeup, perhaps, to go the other way. Maybe he has more confidence with a slower breaker, like more of a slower slurve or more of a curveball. I'll be interested to hear more about that because a lot of people, long-term, look at someone like Steele's profile, being a two-pitch guy, and they question whether he can sustain that type of success. So if early on in his career, he starts developing that third pitch, then in my mind, his projection window of value starts to elongate. So among all the different storylines, which there's a lot on the pitching side, separate from the bullpen too, you have the fifth pitching spot, is it going to be Wicks? Is it going to be Assad? Is it going to be Wisniewski? If not Wisniewski, what does he look like in the bullpen? And then separately atop the rotation, how does Tyon look? What about that fastball? More ambitiously, Justin Steele, is there going to be a new pitch type? I I am of the belief that your conversation about Jamison Tyone with Tommy Hadavi. I fixed him. Is is possibly the missing link. Tommy's like, Tommy, he, was taking, he was taking notes. Yeah. He yeah, answered he diplomatically, there. but he was like, I, ne- I never looked at his, <laughs> his horizontal break on his feet. Brendan's right. I had the we graph right it. there. I had the graph right there. That was yeah. custom, custom data representation. So it, it, it does not matter. But as of this moment on Cubs.com, their depth yeah. chart, they have Javier Assad in the fifth spot. Do you think he starts? It does there? not matter, but that's, I'm just reading what it says right now. Do you think he starts there? If you had a guess right now? I was kind of leading Wicks, honestly. Yeah. I, I feel like he felt like the more obvious guy to give the spot to, but that's that's part of the discussion. And that's that's kind of what I mean about there are, you know, you and I have been doing this show together for what what is this, our eighth season? Seventh? Ninth. Ninth? Ninth? I'm a little offended you don't know the year, you know? It's like not knowing your anniversary. Uh, okay. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 to wow. count on your fingers. For me, it's technically my 10th because yeah. you wow. came a little bit after. So this yeah. is my decade. And I revolutionized the show. But You definitely did, be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, so this is our ninth spring training, our ninth. Our ninth spring pitchers. training, correct. Yes. Yeah. So I, we, we've had years where a lot of the roster is really set when they show up, especially the good years, that's when it's mostly set. And you're kind of, there's, it's just get through to spring healthy, everybody looking good, ready to play. There's not really that much to watch for. I feel like this is one of those springs, maybe not the most intriguing, but there is a lot to look for. And it is going to be interesting to see not only their logic for how they set up this rotation, at least to start, but what maybe those determining factors are is, is Craig council going to look back at the end of last year and kind of see how guys finished and pair that with how they look now, if a guy, and I I'm always curious, like I say that the spring stuff doesn't matter, but you know, if a pitcher comes out and is just mowing guys down, it certainly makes it tougher on well, the front people office. Well, point to hate it was Nesky spring last year, but well, he had a great spring and look yeah. what happened. Sure. So, well, and that's the question, you know, do you read into that at all? Do you put no weight to it? Do you ride a hot hand, even though it's exhibition games against, you know, sometimes by the fifth inning, the, you know, a bunch of single a or double a guys, it's, it's, it's tougher to tell, but I do think the Cubs have some intriguing decisions to make. And I think that first one is indeed how they're setting up that rotation. And then of course the follow-up to that, let's say it is Jordan Wicks who gets that fifth spot. What is yeah. the role for Javier Assad? What is the role for Hayden Wisniewski? What is the role for someone like Drew Smiley? All guys that were being asked to either start or go multiple innings all throughout 2023. So it is going to be kind of interesting to see how they make those decisions and what they do. Again, my instinct 
just as someone watching the end of last year was Jordan Wicks makes the most sense as the person to try in that spot. Uh, now at the same time, there was quite an uproar when the Cubs made the decision not to start Javier Assad in lieu of Marcus Stroman toward the end of last year when Stroman rushed back and that did not go very well. So I think there are probably a lot of people who are clamoring for the ass man and thinking that he did not kind of got a little bit of a raw deal, you know, in those last few starts at the end of 2023. Yeah. If I bet it's going to be Wix and the reason is both developmentally, but also I think it does give the Cubs the best opportunity to leverage their optimal construction from their bullpen and starting rotation. For example, if you put Wicks in a bullpen, I do wonder about that transition. I do wonder if he can make it as a bullpen guy, having basically no experience coming out of the pen in recent professional history, whereas Assad already has that experience, knows how to get amped up. I think as a result, if you look at just a reliever role, who's likely to produce more value, it would probably be Assad. Now, who's likely likely to produce more value as a starting pitcher is a toss-up right now from a projection standpoint. It could be Assad, it could be Wicks. But for me, there's a certainty in that Assad will be a staple in that bullpen from day one. Now, things do happen. He could regress, of course, there's always a possibility. But from day one, there has to be a high degree of confidence that he can have value out of the pen. Second, with Wicks, he started 27 games last year across double-A, triple-A, and Major League Baseball and pitched all the way through the brink, brink of October. So the natural progression for him is day one every fifth day, or maybe every now and then you get a day off or a week off. And then you push that boundary from 27 starts to 30 starts, from five innings per start, maybe 5.5 innings to six innings per start. And I think that's the general progression you would want a young starting pitcher to have. I was talking to Greg Huss about this. And he said, you know, last year, 25 starts was the brink for Wicks. And he got 27. So, of course, the next logical uh, milestone is going to be him going above 25 and getting to maybe around 30 if all things work out. So it makes more sense for me just to give that opportunity to Wicks developmentally, but also too, because it gives Assad uh, a staple of value out of the bullpen. Yeah. So I think a good way to wrap up or at least conclude this part of the conversation, at least looking at the starting rotation, uh, is to read uh, a couple quotes from around CubsCon from Jed Hoyer and then Tommy Hadovy. And the one from Jed Hoyer uh, is he talked about, uh, quote, writing out your five guys in the rotation. It just feels like those days have gone away. As an industry, as a team, you just don't do it anymore. Alluding to you need more than five guys. And then Tommy Hadovy going on to say, quote, the more options we have and the more flexibility that we have going into the season is always going to be the best way to start the season off. And then things always end up working themselves out. So I think you highlighted some of this too, but it is a discussion that we'll have through the spring, but likely it's one of those, if one of these guys is your favorite player and they don't get chosen to be a starter and you really want them to be, I wouldn't panic about it right away. It's just the guys breaking camp to sometimes in, in some cases might just be make those first five starts. Things can always change. The season always starts with some off days baked in. There's always a lot of rain, especially because they, for whatever reason, schedule the Cubs to play in Chicago. They, They always do this and I never quite understand it. And I think they did it again. If I was, if I'm correct that it's the Dodgers for that Pat Hughes thing. That's in early April. Why don't they go to LA in April? It will never make sense to me. Somebody could explain it to me and there could be a very good logistical reason, but I feel like the Dodgers play in Chicago when it is not going to be nice in Chicago. And then the Cubs go to LA in like August. It, it, well, you you could not explain that to me in a way that would make sense. Well, let me try because every year baseball thinks, Oh, of course, It'll be the Dodgers and the Cubs and the, and the NLCS. Let's have this. Uh, what? Why do they have more... to do it at Wrigley Field, though? 
you're right about that. I got no explanation for That's that. That's my point. It's I, you know, I never they understand. Start it. on the West Coast. I never thought about that. Yeah. So Why they do. The they Coast? do. So this year, at least, they do go to San Diego, uh, Seattle, and Arizona early in the year. So when do you go to San Diego? Hmm? When do they go to San Diego? Do you discuss in front of you? Of course, uh, this is great radio, but I'm curious. April eighth to tenth. Wow. Okay. And you're gonna, that. you're gonna get a look pretty early. But yeah. anyway, there there's there's always off days baked in. There's rain, so games get postponed. So sometimes you don't even need five guys right out the gate anyway. But this rotation as well, and we've highlighted this, it has several guys where you need to maybe at least monitor how their usage throughout the year. If you are competitive, if you are competing in this division or competing for a playoff spot, as we saw last year, you need guys not to break down when it comes to September. And so there are real questions of, you know, like you were talking about with someone like Wicks, how do you get Steele to that next level? We talked, he did not have his best starts toward the end of the year. And it was the largest workload he had experienced. So how do you make sure that he is better set up for that? Shota Imanaga, a guy coming from a different league, a different schedule in terms of how pitchers operate, how many pitches they throw, a, a different environment. So you're going to have to be careful about that. Kyle Hendricks, a guy that worked his way back from a shoulder injury, is obviously you know on the older side. You have to be careful about that. These young guys, same thing you were just talking about. You know, how do you make sure that they're going over their threshold or maybe trying to do more, but not completely falling apart and breaking down? So yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of movement uh, from this team. And I think it may seem, you know, I think as the game of baseball evolved, it might feel unnerving to some to not have that set five man rotation. But I think the Cubs have a lot of good depth here and hopefully they, they can figure it out. I just think that when you hear that from Hadavi, when he says, you know, just bring as many good guys and you'll figure it out. I think that can be a little unnerving for, for some folks. I think they like knowing like, these are our starters. This is what we're going to do. This is the plan. And, you know, saying like, well, these four to five guys maybe can get some starts. Maybe they're stretched out. It's, it, you know, it's a little more abstract. It's not quite as concrete. I thought over the years we would be at a six-man rotation by now. If you were to ask me in 2017, but 2024, will there be more frequent six-man rotations? I would have been like, yeah, absolutely. So in a I way, I'm surprised. for that is always going to be the guys that want the ball, the, the John Lesters of the world that are like, but, I don't need the break. I don't want the break. Yeah. Pass over somebody else in the rotation because it's not me. Exactly. And I think... You know, if I were a major league baseball player, I would want to be, I would want to have the same attitude. And like, th I think there is some validity to that, not just wanting to compete on a consistent basis, but just designing the consistent routine. I think guys are creatures of habits. Again, personally, I would want to know okay, I'm pitching every fifth yeah. day. By the third day, I need my side session. By the fourth day, I'm going to do this with my trainer. And if you every now and then change that routine up, then at least I can speak personally, I would not like that as, as a player. So I do yeah. think there's validity to keeping guys fresh and competing on a consistent basis, but also uh, it does get the most out of them on a per start basis. Yeah. And earlier to your point, you mentioned Marcus Stroman, right? Stroman came back, tried to come out of the bullpen. Came in Arizona, didn't really look the best in one, two inning spurts, but he did try it. And there's a lot of back and forth. Why is he starting over Assad? Yeah. And I think the justification was not Strowman's uh, uh, ego, if you will, but rather it's difficult to come out of the bullpen. It's difficult to adopt a routine you're not familiar with. So even if you go a few starts, a few innings per start, that's the way you are accustomed to training. So I don't know. It's going to be a delicate I, balance. I also do. And I think we try to mention this when we discuss a lot of these guys, but it is also worth remembering when you're, you know, evaluating, I think the performance of some of you guys, this is a hard thing to do. And I, I know sometimes if a guy struggles or whatever, people don't want to hear that, but maintaining your arm and your stuff and knowing how to differently approach a one inning relief outing versus a three outing, you know, 
relief outing versus a six inning start. That's not an easy thing it's a for different a pitcher to do. It is a very yeah. different. It is difficult to keep those mindsets and prepare for all those things. And that's not to make excuse preemptively no. make excuses or anything. Well, that's what Ad Azalai said. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I think it's a useful reminder, you know, when we're looking at some of these guys like Hayden Wisniewski or, Jordan Wicks or Javier Assad, what they're, what the Cubs are asking them to do is not particularly easy. And I don't think everybody is necessarily accustomed or set up for success in that. And that's why you've seen some of the different experiments go certain ways. They tried Alzali yeah. as a starter, then they kind of wanted him to be more of a multi-inning utility knife kind of guy. And ultimately he struggled. He's a closer. In those second innings sometimes and and getting through multiple parts of the order. And yeah. now he's mostly, of course, sometimes he's asked to do more, but he's mostly a three to four I out leverage. kind of guy. And yeah, that's it's it. Crazy. It's yeah. crazy. So and it's, we'll probably get into it throughout the spring, throughout spring training. But I do think the Wisniewski conversation will prompt a lot of discussions. It's going to prompt a lot of opinions of what you a want to do. A lot of people I think are kind of out on him. Not and out on him as ever being no. useful, but certainly as like a starter in that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think right now going into the year, you have to not count on him producing significant innings as starter. That's just the reality, but it doesn't discount what his stuff would look like in a bullpen role because we saw it maxing out 98, 99 heavy wipeout slider with 20 inches of horizontal. That's insane. But at the same time, he is young. The Cubs don't have a fifth starter. We're talking about Jordan Wicks, basically his true start rookie year. And we're talking about Javier Saad, who hasn't been a consistent five-man, every fifth-day guy as well. So there, you have to leave the, the room and the available option there for Wisniewski to take hold of that if he, de if he develops a, a complementary pitch type, which, again, that will be discussion throughout the uh, spring training. Let's uh, hit our first or second ad break, rather, come back at this and finish up our conversation on pitching. First ad break here from new sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll. In price picks is really simple to play. I can make picks and submit my entry in less 60 seconds. Also, with the basketball season on our way, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball, but specifically basketball with the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, DeMar DeRozan plus DJ Moore at a combo of 10.5 of three points made or receptions or uh, with the Super Bowl coming up, maybe you combo Travis Kelsey at eight receptions and DeMar DeRozan at, I don't know, seven threes or whatever. They also have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types that make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash CHGO and use code CHGO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CHGO and use code CHGO. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, you know what else is easier, Corey? It's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we all can get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. That is right, Brendan. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do? They should go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? That's right, Brendan. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations 
to come. Talking about some of the, you know, Super Bowl props and, and games yeah. you can check out on prize picks. And uh, I, I don't think this is one of the options, but I, you know, what do you think the odds are that during Usher's halftime show, Cody Bellinger comes out and reveals a Cubs jersey? Do you think that's something that's possible or no? No, I do. I think like maybe like minus minus one hundred five. Actually, I yeah. think it might be probable. If you want to make a dramatic entry, that's the way to do it. I think very possible that Usher and yeah. Cody Bellinger are close friends, and Usher would use this once in a lifetime opportunity to allow Cody Bellinger to announce that he's resigning with the Cubs. You know, you know how on like a modest six year contract. Sometimes you have these Super Bowl halftime shows. You got like the the primary guy like Usher, and then someone comes in for a surprise. Yeah, the guests. The guest. Yeah. And so, you know, you have Cody Bellinger, but you know what? What about two guests behind Cody Bellinger? You ready for this? Matt, Matt Chapman. Chapman. There you go. And then everyone just collapses. And then everybody of... watching the Super Bowl is going, who? Yeah. Who are yeah. these guys? Who's Matt this, Chapman? You know, you know, he can probably throw a ball faster than Patrick Mahomes. I'm serious about that. I'm serious about that. We everyone listening and watching knows of okay. your affinity for Matt Chapman by now. Well, well let's not get too crazy. I'm not going to give him like seven years, but I do like Matt Chapman, great third baseman. Yeah. Um. So let's transition to the bullpen a little bit and just things, you know, again that we are looking for. I think you're going to have some specific ones. Um. I I know we talked about this a little bit. I think the hierarchy for sure. Um, you know, just, and, and last year, you know, Azalei was certainly the closer, but there were definitely times if he was down, Merriweather was doing it, Leiter was doing it. Uh, and early in the year, uh, there was that one point where Leiter and Azalei were kind of sharing that duty a little bit. So do they kind of set that hierarchy up? Do they kind of go the same way they did last year where, Hey, it's Craig council. He's going to bring in who he wants, depending on the game, depending on the situation, um, you know, where does Hector Neris fit into this in terms of that kind of top level hierarchy? And then I think beyond that, you know, who were the last kind of guys to make this bullpen? You know, I think we've talked about guys like Luke Little, Daniel Palencia, um, and and other guys that we've seen a little bit of. Do they make the team? Do we have any non-roster invitees that, you know, show up and take spring training by storm and earn their way into the bullpen? Are they done? making additions to the bullpen. I think that's where I'm looking. And I know, you know, you have some probably more specific pitcher related things that you're going to be watching for as, as pitchers and catchers show up. Number one for me is Drew Smiley. It's not because I think Drew Smiley is going to be, you know, a lockdown reliever. I'm just fascinated by the entire process. I was not particularly thrilled at the time of giving Drew Smiley a two-year contract. I thought the commitment for Drew Smiley was a little bit too much of a risk, similar to like the Trey Mancini uh, uh, problem, if you will, committing fewer money in AAV, but longer years. So the reason I'm fascinated by Drew Smiley, because to me, that signals that that 9.5 million might actually be valuable. It may not be dead money. And he's been working on a new splitter this offseason. He's been posted by driveline. He's been working driveline pretty significantly over the past few months. About six weeks ago, there was a one quick trackman video of a split cutter looking thing. And then about a week ago, he was on a baseball field throwing that splitter to live batters. I don't know who those live batters were. They didn't look particularly good, but they were live batters. And again, he was throwing splitters a lot. Almost half the pitches in that video were splitters. So there's two ways of looking at this. Is a splitter more of like this side project that maybe becomes a pitch? Or is it really a dominant focus where he wants to add in this new pitch? If he does add in that new pitch, how does it play up? Because it is pretty unique in terms of its shape. So just from a curiosity standpoint, that to me is pretty fascinating because we talked about Assad and Wicks and Wisniewski and the capability of going multiple innings, but even Drew Smiley has that potential as well. If he does not add a secondary pitch, then to me, I'm not optimistic about him. But at the same time, even if he doesn't have that secondary pitch, maybe some mechanical things were cleaned up and the command returns to what we saw earlier in the year. So number one in that bullpen amongst all those storylines, I think is smiley because that to me has the best chance of getting the most value from a pure innings volume perspective. So 
a, a question for you as somebody that digs into a lot of this specific pitching stuff. And I, you know, I think it could apply to someone like Tyone, but, but even Drew Smiley, when you're talking about him, maybe adding new pitches and looking a little bit different in his repertoire, how do you evaluate that in your position as a, you know, fan that is not there is not, uh, unless they post it like the driveline video, you don't get those metrics and that stat cast data uh, or, or track man data. Yeah. How do you evaluate how someone looks when you're just looking for the first few weeks? It's just bullpens that you might see a couple pitches out of. And then ultimately, again, these exhibition games that you never really know how you can read into them. How do you evaluate when we're talking about someone like Tyone, who obviously was very up and down last year, you're looking for specific things to be different or smiley bringing in new pitches. How do you evaluate with the limited information and video how guys look, or can you not really do that in spring training? You kind of have to just trust the the coaches and the results. More so on body language and what they actually reveal to the media. For example, Kyle Hendricks was saying before he came back from injury, I feel great. Smile on his face. Really enthusiastically, he felt good. And there were times where I thought Kyle Hendricks would not pitch again for the Cubs, but he was very uh, uh, demonstrative of how good he felt and he looked pretty good. So I think you have to take guys like that at their word. Uh, likewise, last year, we heard about Tyon's new sweeper. A lot of confidence with the pitch. He had one of the best sliders last year in Major League Baseball, which is pretty funny to think about. Similarly, you have Michael Fulmer also demonstrating that he felt comfortable with the sweeper last spring. From day one, that was his dominant secondary pitch, a pitch he had just developed. So if they're talking about it, in the media, then that to me is the most significant piece of information. Now, to your point about looking at the pitches, let's say on a driveline Twitter video, you have to take that with a grain of salt. It's not the right word, but you have to consider why they're doing that. There are times where pitchers just mess with stuff. John Lester, I remember very vividly in 2017, he was throwing change-ups like a third of the time during starts. And there's been other guys who just throw only fastballs during starts. And the reason is personal. The reason is individualistic. So it's hard to actually interpret what the motivation is for a specific pitch. It could be confidence that they actually feel that pitch, or it could be the complete opposite, where they have no confidence and they want to throw it as much as possible yeah. to gain that confidence. That's why I default at what they tell us. I think that's important. But also, too, you can look at the pitch shapes and you can imagine what it could look like in its optimal form, and it sets the barrier, or not the barrier, it can set the the flag in place of what that particular pitch like could look like over time with more adjustments. Okay, that's fair. So getting back to the bullpen, uh, other guys you're watching, things to watch for, um, you know, I mean, maybe in particular on some of the newer additions. I, you know, I think with, with Hector Neris, he's an extreme veteran. He's one of the most durable relievers of the last several years. I, that seems like his spring is going to be going through the motions, getting himself ready yeah. to be in the season. And he's going to be in a pretty prominent role for Craig council's bullpen. Uh, but, and you know, again, how some of these guys shake out, uh, we'll see, but what about some of those? So those guys like Daniel Palencia, Luke Little, um, Yancy Almonte, who they acquired from the Dodgers. Uh, what do you look for in guys like that? How do they kind of separate themselves or really earn that position in the bullpen? I think a lot of it will come down to options too. It may not just be how they look and competing sure. for spots, but I think, for example, you look at Jose Quas, he has two options. And options be damned, I would probably start to season with Jose Quas over Almonte. But Almonte has no more options. So if I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet Almonte starts and might get that last spot over someone like Quas. Uh, if you start looking at just who those eight relievers could be, it starts to bulk up. Abrazali, Hector Neris, Julian Merriweather, Mark Leiter, Drew Smiley, Almonte. Those are six guys right there. Now you have two guys open. It could be Wisniewski for that seventh if he doesn't get that starting spot, right? And even if it's not Wisniewski, maybe it's Assad, right? Already, you got seven relievers, maybe eight, if you field all of Wicks, Assad, and Wisniewski. Yeah. So there might be a scenario where Wicks starts, Wicks starts the year in AAA, but yeah. it gets it gets very dicey. So if, for 
Palencia, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Finish your. Thought. Well, if you look at Palencia and then you look at like you know Luke Little, I would imagine they start the year in AAA simply out of options. But if you look at Little and Palencia, I would put them among the guys who had the highest ceiling given their stuff. But it doesn't mean that they have to start the year because you have to you have to spread out this value of your bullpen with limited option guys going into this year. That is one of the disadvantages of this current Cubs bullpen is they don't have the flexibility that they had in previous years with a lot of guys able to be optioned. Yeah. So again, uh, you know, the, the depth chart on Cubs.com is not an actual, the correct who's breaking camp with the team and stuff, but I do think it's just interesting. And again, probably based on options and stuff like that. Uh, that when you look at it, they have Assad in the rotation. They have Wicks and Hayden Wisniewski not on that depth chart. So again, yeah. that is not a real, it's just how they're listing it on their official website. Just interesting to see it like laid out that way without those guys. Because I think a lot of people, they're very much in their plans and their vision for this team. So it's just interesting to look at it and not see them there. Uh, but yeah, they'll they'll piece it out. And I think it goes to the quotes that I read from Jed, Jed was talking about the rotation and I think Hadavi was as well when I read those quotes earlier, but Hadavi's in particular applies to the entire pitching staff. Like the guys that break camp in that bullpen will not be the only people that they use in that bullpen and having that extended depth and sort of a plan of action for everybody is, is going to be crucial to a pitching staff like this. And especially again, given the issues that this team had last year, with the bullpen falling apart, very few people being reliable in the most crit. I guess it was the most critical. I was going to say the most critical stretch of the season, but also the pre-deadline stretch was the most critical part because then we don't even get to September. Whatever you want, Whatever. which whichever. Sure. A and B as far as what was most important, but the bullpen broke down. So I think having that depth is going to be very important. And yeah, I think that is a lot of this stuff is is potentially i think pretty locked up of course we're waiting to see how free agency plays out that's going to greatly affect the offense and where certain guys are playing but you know certain things we know to be true jan gomes is going to catch a lot of games behind the plate presumably with miguel amaya and the army of uh, minor league depth catchers that the chicago cubs have assembled in this offseason behind them leading the way at catcher Dansby Swanson is going to play 162 games at shortstop or as many nice. as Craig Council will let him. So somewhere close to that. Nico is going to be at second base every day, almost every day. That's Ian Happen nice. left, Saya in right. Michael Bush, they've said, is going to get basically every opportunity to hit against righties. So there's certain things we know. But there is a lot for this team that still is going to have to get shaken out as far as spring training. So I think... Again, unlike some other years, uh, for some folks, maybe that makes it more interesting. Uh, I think for a lot of folks, they maybe preferred the kind of pre-2016 vibe where it was basically like, we just get to enjoy these games and then we're going to hit the ground running and try to win a World Series. I prefer that personally. So but I. we've also had years where you know the p position battles are not particularly interesting. The team doesn't look that exciting and... It's kind of like, all right, we're just biding our time here. So I think at least for this coming spring training, there is some stuff to be watching for. There are jobs to be earned and potentially jobs to be lost by some of these guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go about that, how these guys perform and, um, you know, how they're even utilizing some of these guys in the early going. I think they talked at CubsCon about keeping a lot of those multi-inning potential guys stretched out to start with and then kind of working backward if you need to reduce the role or change the role. Um, so stuff to watch for. I, I will ask you this, and I, I maybe the answer is obvious. My answer is obvious. Uh, but in terms of on the pitching staff, when these guys are all there and we're getting the daily videos and stuff like that, the person you are most excited to just watch, even if it's just throw a bullpen, I just want to see this guy again on a baseball field or for the first time. Ooh, probably showed up. That's my answer. I feel like that's yeah. the easy answer. Probably showed up. Yeah. Uh, I want to see that that release point, that low release point with that uh, that rising fastball. So I, yeah, I, I think sure. that's the easy answer, uh, just because we, you know, we're still waiting on that, especially in a Cubs uniform over here in the United States. Like that, that I think is what we're waiting for, and especially now, you know, you've got the Justin Steele 
filthy seal of approval. So he even, I think I he threw the throw up emoji on the tweet. So yeah, it was that filthy. You know, in his press or maybe it wasn't press conference, maybe it was later on, but they were talking about, it may have been Tommy Hadavi actually. They were talking about some unique pitch design stuff with Shota. I'm like, wow, already they're talking about that with him? Not even, you know, starting spring training yet? So I thought that was interesting where I thought maybe they would let him ease into it and, you know, go about his routine, but they're already talking about unique things they can do to his current pitches. Yeah. So then I'm starting to think, oh man, what what are they going to do with that breaking pitch, yeah. for example? Yeah. And I mean, I think, of course, Tyone, very interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if if you can tell the exact horizontal break on his fastball when he's throwing a bullpen, but- You can't? I, I don't know. I'm asking oh, you. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> would you, if, if you watched him throw a bullpen, would you be able to look at a couple fastballs and be like, nope, it's Sometimes still messed up? Sometimes I think up. they're change-ups. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If they're thrown up by, sometimes they have the same shape. Yeah. yeah. But no, I can't tell. I mean, we're talking about like two inches. I know, of I know, I know. Come on. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm particularly, I will say too, I'm, I'm very excited to see Adbert Alzali. And I don't necessarily expect big changes from his stuff or anything like that. But I think you know, he's worked very hard. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. He's been at periods, I think, in his career where maybe perhaps felt this wasn't going to work or, you know, work out yeah. the way that his, you know, former prospect status had led up to and stuff. And the way he embraced that closer, closer role throughout the 2023 season, the energy that he brought, the passion, just that pure unbridled adrenaline at the end of those outings, pumping his fist. I'm I'm very excited to see him kind of enter this spring training and this year as like I'm the guy. Like I finish these games, I'm the closer and kind of being able to you know really go into a year embracing that role and embracing that position on this team. He's earned it. He's an incredibly fun person to watch do it and I'm I'm looking forward to kind of that from day 1 like this is how he's feeling. And this is what we're going to go do. I'm I'm looking forward to watching that play out. Yeah, so am I. I'm just I'm looking forward to hearing these guys talk about the process. We're we're fortunate that the players and the coaches are transparent with the process. As I, you know, end my final thoughts here. We're fortunate that you have James and Tyon tell us what he wants his pitches yeah. to look like. Yeah. Like what a treat that is that I can orient myself and figure out and understand what these guys are trying to do by him telling us, I need my pitches to look exactly like this. That is a treat. And then you hear about Shota. Shota has been talking about what he does with his very, this is a cool clip. Uh, he was talking about how he basically tries to keep his arm like as loose as possible, which is like, oh, duh. But he intentionally doesn't feel, he doesn't try to feel his arm until he comes through. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, he also talks about throwing like javelins too. So it's like stuff like this that gets you into the process and the minds of these guys. And then you have Tommy Hadovy, who's very transparent as well. He talks to our guy, Ryan Herrera, all the time about very specific questions. And we get to write about it. So it's fun. Spring training is fun. This yeah. is why I like spring more than any part of the year. I mean this seriously. I hate October. I really do. I hate watching playoff baseball. Uh, fortunately, we have no playoff baseball that last few years. But yeah, I like, fortunately, yeah, I like lucky us. Lucky us. I like relaxed, calm baseball guys taking infield practice, throwing bullpens, you know, chewing tobacco. That's my that's my dream right you, there. You and I. So I I see it, and I think especially after the last few years, I appreciate the lack of like stakes a bit. Just kind yeah. of relaxed. Pat Hughes it's is on some fun. of the broadcast. Yeah. The sun is out, at least in Arizona. But I, you and I have always differed on this. You're I do not like spring training. Love I, I don't spring care training. about exhibition games. I don't care. And part of it is for what we talked about. Like I, I can get into seeing if how guys are are looking and things like that. But there's so much that you just don't know. It's it. A lot of it is so pointless. And people will That's react the beauty of it. to people will react to 
a bad outing by a pitcher and, you know, he's throwing all fastballs oh, you and you stuff like that. that. That's okay. And also like, you know, sometimes spring training is what gets us the stuff where like Albert Almora is real hot. And then I have to listen to people talking about how he should be hitting leadoff when the season starts. Remember when so Dan's it gives be- us some of those things, those yeah. narratives that I don't need in my life. Remember, right? I understand this by the way, but remember last year, Dansby had, a, he had an awful spring yeah. last yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> he starts April batting like 400. Yeah. So I personally don't put any stock into the performances. I put stock in what the players are saying. That's it. But it's fun, man. The games are on TV Saturday afternoon. You got Pat Hughes uh, calling the game. Beautiful afternoon in Arizona. It's fun. You got to enjoy it. I'll give you that. But also, I will say, it does point to the difference between you and me. You seek the energy. You love the energy. Me, I'm the complete opposite. Put me in the corner. I don't care if there's anyone in the baseball stadium. Yeah. I'm a happy guy. That's the difference between you and me. Yeah. No, I want. Yes. That's why you like wrestling yeah. so much. You like that energy, that drama. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's what we have for you. Uh, again, as always, you know, whether it's a Saturday, a Sunday, a Monday, noon, one in the morning. If there is breaking news as it relates to the Chicago Cubs, Cody Bellinger, another Scott Boris client, a trade, anything, the CHGO Cubs team will assemble on the CHGO Sports YouTube page, and we will have a reaction for you. Like I said on the council thing, uh, I think it was five minutes we were live and, and talking about it and reacting to it. So we appreciate CHGO and CHGO Cubs being your destination. Should that news break, we will be ready for you. And otherwise, it is time to get ready for pitchers and catchers to report because that is coming rather soon. So you can tune in throughout the week next week. I believe Luke said we have a time change. Uh, I think Ryan is heading out to spring training soon to cover things for CHGO Cubs podcast and all CHGO.com. So 3.30, I think, is the time for shows next week. But check Twitter, check YouTube. They will update that if I am incorrect. Uh, And then, of course, Brendan and I will be back with you next Friday, maybe sooner to break things down. Uh, Enjoy the Super Bowl if that is your flavor. If it is not, I hope you have a nice weekend as well. Uh, All the best, Cody Bellinger, in his family. He wanted to come back to Chicago sooner rather than later. It would really make a life a lot easier for a lot of us. And I bet Cody, because I'm assuming Cody Bellinger listens to this podcast. Oh, he does. I bet they can, the Cubs team can get you one of those Pat Hughes sweater shirts. I think so. If you ask him nicely. Probably got to come so. back to the Cubs to get it, but I bet they can get you one. I think so. I they, they can, he can pull some strings for sure. I think so. So that is where we will leave you. We appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate your support for Brendan and I and the entire CHGO Cubs team. We will talk to you again next week. And as always, go Cubs. We all silly like the mayor. 